Hey there, Cape Cod. It's high noon on Wednesday. Time for an episode of Life with Gwen. Before we move on to my introducing you to today's guest, I'd uh, like to say that uh, those of you who saw the wedding planning um, video from, from last week, and if you didn't, it's at capecodtimes.com slash lifewithgwen. Um, I have to tell you that ever since we did that show, I have had this earworm stuck, you know, for a song that involves the words going to the chapel and we're not allowed to sing this, but it's been running through my head for weeks. So somebody please take this earworm from me and um, you guys can go to the chapel for a while and get married. Anyhow, um, today we are moving on to something that's never far from our minds. We're going to talk about cooking with Chef Joe Szynski. And he is the culinary director at the Cultural Center for Cape Cod. And um, that, I can see from the programs, is a really interesting job that, that has you teaching cooking lessons at least a couple of times a month. I do a couple classes every week. So I do anywhere from eight, and then we do a lot of uh, private classes. People hire us out to do a private class, like this evening and tomorrow I have private classes. Um, we do a lot of different events there besides mm -hmm. the cooking classes, like we just finished our St. Patrick's Day dinner. Right. Now, that's more of a reception where you have pe more people in. And, Correct. Uh, yep. Yeah. That, um, the room right off of the kitchen is the Owl Cafe, we call it. And um, we do upwards of 50 people there. We were completely booked for that evening last Saturday. I bet. What did you serve? St. Patrick's Day. I <laughs> did corn. Uh, my own cured corned beef and cabbage. We did Irish lamb stew. We did uh, roast glazed salmon. Um, and then we did some of the desserts. Wow. Now, is that a sit-down event or is it, it more uh, of a sampling? Nope. It's a uh, sit-down buffet. Oh. And um, a lot of people come in as groups of anywhere, six, eight, ten people. And we have the whole room filled up and playing Irish music. And so that was, this was our second one. So very successful. And you usually time those around different holidays? Exactly. What was yep. the, do you remember what the other one was? Um, I did a Christmas Carol, uh, Foods from a Christmas Carol, the book, The Christmas Carol. Oh, how interesting. So I did Roast Goose, I did Suckling Pig, and I did Roasted Oysters. Wow, wow, that sounds great. Yep. It, um, you know, I had the privilege of going to one of your classes, the one that was Seven Fish for Seven Fridays in Lent. Right. And uh, if you guys didn't see that, there's a story in the newspaper. Once again, you can find it online at uh, capecodtimes.com and uh, slash food. And because you were kind enough to share some of your, a couple of your recipes uh, with us for fish dishes that people can make uh, for Lent. And I was amazed at how quickly that class went. So there's maybe 12 people. Correct. Everybody's yep. sitting, uh, you know, at a counter watching you work right. and also an overhead camera so mm -hmm. that they could see what was, you know, going right down on the stove right. so you could see things cooking. Mm -hmm. But um, it occurred to me that you need to have some basics when you go into that. You know, it's a very quick class. Well, the reason that one was so quick, usually I do four courses. Mm -hmm. In that one, we did seven different fish for the seven you know, days of uh, the Lent and the Fridays in Lent. So um, that's why that was, that's why I was moving pretty oh, quickly. Oh, I see. Well, <laughs> I know that uh, I almost got in trouble for chatting. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's informal and it's fun, but, uh, but you learn a lot. It Absolutely. was interesting. Absolutely. We have a lot of uh, people who come quite often, and we have a lot of new people now also with all the wonderful press that our classes have gotten. 
So if you guys are interested, um, it's usually on the, the bulletin, the calendar that the uh, Cultural Center puts out. Correct, right on the website. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, it's what's the name of the Culinary Center? It's the Simono or Simono? The Simono uh, class, mm -hmm. the room, you know, donated um, for all the equipment. And you were there and you saw it. It's a commercial kitchen. Yes, it is. It's a full-blown commercial kitchen, which is very, very nice for me. I was really surprised when I saw it. I, I would say that uh, it's a tiny commercial kitchen, but the truth is I've been in Francis Lowell's place over at mm -hmm. the Naked Oyster, mm -hmm. and that's a tiny kitchen. <laughs> right. This is actually bigger than the kitchen I had at my restaurant where I was a chef owner of. It's larger. Tell us about your restaurant. I had a restaurant in Old Greenwich, Connecticut for many, many years. It was called Café du Bethin. It was a French seafood restaurant, and um, we were a three-star New York Times restaurant. Received the first award of excellence from the Wine Spectator in Connecticut. Received it for 10 straight years. It was a lot, a lot of fun. A lot of work, but a lot of fun. And when we met, you were telling me about the origin of that name, what, you know, what the, uh, the meaning is, is in, you know, when you translate the French. In uh, French, if you're considered a Becfin, so it's B-E-C, new word, F-I-N, means a fine beak. Mm -hmm. It means you have a good palate for food. Interesting. Yes. See, I, I, I actually saw the word uh, F-I-N, I thought we were talking about translating fish. Right, right. Because I get a double meaning there. Right, but know. it means fine, a fine beak. So, yep. all right, well, the chef of uh, a fine beak for many years is, is here on Cape Cod pretty much full time now. Yes. You're from Chatham, is that right? I live in Chatham, right. So he'll be uh, teaching classes, and, and I think you also do receptions there. We do receptions. Matter of fact, I'm doing my daughter's wedding reception in September. She's going to have her reception there. I'll do the majority of the cooking. I did the majority of cooking for my oldest daughter, who got married two years ago. So promised all the kids, if you want me to cook, I will cook. And so far, two for two have taken up, me up on it. That's wonderful. It's such a nice uh, tradition. Obviously, they grew up with you going off in your chef's coat and, mm -hmm. and uh, to have that, you know, as they get married and start their own lives. Correct. Um, but uh, no, I don't think you need to uh, get married to start a life, just in case you guys caught that. Uh, let's see. What is the Culinary Center's website? Karen Watkins is asking. It is the, uh, oh boy, I just went blank on it. It is the cultural-center.org. Oh, okay. Very good. Um, it, uh, I, you know, I was thinking that since we have your expertise today, we could do a couple of things. Okay. And uh, one would be that you guys out there, if you would like to have answers, you know, questions answered about pretty much anything in the kitchen, um, now's the time to write them in, and we'll get Chef to to talk about uh, talk about them. Um, and also, you know. I know that you're, um, you're cooking at a, a fancy level, but also it starts with all those basics. So if we were going to encourage people to cook, mm -hmm. what would be some of the things that you would think would be important to have as staples in a pantry? Well, first of all, you have to shop within your budget. Mm -hmm. So whatever your budget can afford, um, buy the best, because that was always my theory. When I had my restaurant, I bought the best that I could buy. I, sourced like crazy. So do the same thing at your home in your pantry. If you're going to go out and buy an olive oil and you can afford a $40 bottle of olive oil, go ahead and buy it. If you can afford a $20 bottle of olive oil, go ahead and buy it. So 
always work within your budget. That is okay. by far the most important thing. And there are a couple of, of uh, good ones that are in the ten dollar range too. Absolutely, absolutely. So I like the. Uh, I think it's called California Kitchen. So it's sure. Square yes, bottom. I know the one you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, that so is a good, that is a good one for every day. And you can cook with it. And you know, if you are spending forty, fifty dollars on an olive oil, you're not going to cook with it. Right. You're going to use it more as a finishing. Uh, oil or something in a salad blend mm -hmm. or bread or bread for, for or a dip for bread. Yeah. yep sure so mm -hmm. yeah it's amazing in fact in the last cat uh, class about fish you had passed around a bottle of I believe it was truffle oil no 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 not oh truffle. no, no it okay a, it was an extra virgin olive oil from Provence oh okay that I just got it I don't use truffle oil oh okay <laughs> it uh, but uh, tell people about how you suggested that olive oil should be tasted when you go to an olive oil tasting, um, a good olive oil tasting, there's no bread. You don't taste it with bread because bread has flavor of its own. Mm -hmm. You know, you're tasting yeast, yeast, you might taste some sugar, and you're also tasting the baked bread. The best way to do, uh, to taste olive oil is to just cup your hand and pour just a little bit of the olive oil into your hand and just let it sit there for a couple seconds. And what's happening is you're heating up the olive oil, and then just go in and lick your, the palm of your hand. How so about we that? Did, we did that. Yes, right. we, we did. It around. I had not heard about trying it that yes, way. Yes, absolutely. So, um, and that was a good olive oil. I think uh, I said about $60 on the shelf, so mm -hmm. you got to taste something that night. That was wonderful. It's uh, Okay, so we, we have uh, the best olive oil we can afford in, mm -hmm. in the home pantry. And tell me about some of the other basics that you think would be important. Some nice, good salt, either kosher salt or good sea salt um, mm -hmm. is important. All the different peppers, you know, I like using white pepper, black, you know, black peppers, pink peppercorns. Um, don't buy a large bottles of spices because very rarely will you go through that many. So I don't know if there is a place up here on Cape Cod, but we have them down um, where I used to be. And you can actually go in and buy as much as you want. You know, it's like a Penzi spice. I don't know mm -hmm. if there is any. There, there are. There okay. are a couple of uh, spice stores up here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if they, you can buy exactly how much you need, but but they have smaller packages. Sure. Uh, things like, uh, I very rarely use star anise. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so you can get maybe eight or ten uh, of the little uh, That's That's butts. exactly what I'm talking so, about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, but, we'll, you know, for basics like cinnamon and uh, nutmeg and that kind of thing, you know, I find myself using those a lot. Okay. So, um, well, you know your cooking style, so you can buy, you can shop for that quantity because mm -hmm. you know if you're doing a lot of baking, you can buy larger uh, right. cinnamon, you know, sticks, large amount of cinnamon sticks, and the nutmeg. I you always grate it yourself instead of the ground nutmeg. Really? Yes, really. <laughs> no, I yes, really. I know that you should, <laughs> but uh, that doesn't always happen, right. and it does sure. make a difference. Mm -hmm. It definitely so. does. You know, I I don't know if this is my imagination, but I think that with salt and pepper uh, and the various peppers, I like to to grind it right then and there. Sure, you know, absolutely, yep. because mm -hmm. it's almost like you're cracking open the flavor. Mm -hmm. If sometimes, like in a in a restaurant kitchen, um, or if you have a big party you're doing at home, I always pre grind mm -hmm. uh, pepper, and this way it's always at your feet. So you're right because your hands you're moving are, your really hands, quickly, you're moving yeah. quickly. Plus your hands, you're touching food, so mm -hmm. you know you don't want to get it on the pepper right. mill. So we, I always pre grind um, salt and pepper before I cook. 
So, oh, that's interesting to know if you're having a, a big party and, and you're cooking, especially uh, as I was watching you cook, it's, you know, you're doing each dish, each course, you know, right, right there. You, you never left the, the stove. You're, you're in your kitchen. Right, exactly. Doing all these things. Mm -hmm. So um, now how about, uh, you know, and, and there's a difference between cooking and baking, obviously. Um, I don't mean to give the bakers short shrift. We certainly enjoy the, the fruits of their labors. But, um, you know, if let's talk about cooking, you know, the mm -hmm. main dish for today, because that's your area of expertise. Mm -hmm. You're uh, trained at the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. Yes. And um, in pretty much in a, a classic French style. Um, my restaurant was classic French, but I'm, I can kind of like reach out among, you know, mm -hmm. different cuisines. I'm very comfortable floating from, you know, American cuisine, French cuisine, Italian cuisine, Middle Eastern cuisine, Asian cuisine. I noticed that in the classes you're teaching mm -hmm. that uh, you'll see, uh, you know, Spanish street food one week. And right. um, tell us about some of the other classes that, that you've been doing. Um, I, I always like to do a tribute class maybe to some chef or to somebody who has recently passed. Um, we did a tribute. We're coming up, we're doing a uh, tribute to Arthur Ashe. And even though he doesn't really have much to do in the culinary uh, world, he, uh, when Nelson Mandela was released from prison, one of the first non-family members he requested to see was Arthur Ashe. Are you talking about the tennis legend? The tennis legend, Arthur Ashe, yes. Who was so all gonna... very involved in, in uh, race relations. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do a, uh, a South African dinner with South African foods and wine uh, dedicated to him. Um, I have another class coming up that we're going to do a series of them. It's called My Last Supper, and it's at an actual book with 50 of the I've great, seen that. I right, have that book. With 50 of the great chefs in mm -hmm. the world and what their last supper would be, who would attend it, what the music would be, and what the setting would be. So the first one we're doing is uh, Monday, April 8th, and we're going to do it uh, with uh, Jacques, not with Jacques Pepin, but Jacques right. Pepin's last meal. Mm -hmm. And one of the funny things... According I, to the book, yeah. According to the book, and I'm following his recipes to the T because they're in the book. And one of the funny things I said... I thought he said was when asked how long his last meal would last, he said, we would cook, drink, and eat together until the end, weeks or months later, when <laughs> I would die from Peshtagormandis, the sin of gluttony. Oh. So he's one of my favorite people. I've met him several times. Um, I've done a little work with him, so I, I, I enjoy him. I can identify with that. I remember years ago in Connecticut, your neck of the woods, mm -hmm. there was a bakery that had a, a case of, of cream pies, mm -hmm. which I was very good about avoiding most of the time because high, high calories. But uh, I told my husband, uh, you know, when the end is near, just leave me here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try every one of those pies. So I can identify. That's that's uh -huh. nice goal. Yes, yes. But uh, so is there... Do you notice, being here on Cape Cod, that there are, um, you know, fish, of course, but other um, local influences on cuisine that, that you've sort of worked into your repertoire? Um, the seafood is, you know, by far my favorite thing about the Cape because I had a French seafood restaurant and mm -hmm. I'm very comfortable cooking, uh, cooking fish. Um, some of the farms are, uh, on the Cape are putting out wonderful produce, wonderful poultry, wonderful uh, pork products. Um, you know, it's growing. It's and a, fresh it's, herbs. It's growing. And fre well, I fresh love herbs. to go to yeah. the farmer's market mm -hmm. for the bags of fresh herbs. Yep. Yes. So, but it's always, I should ask you, I have a question. You guys haven't uh, sent in any questions yet, but uh, 
my problem with fresh herbs is I find I'll buy something, um, you know, for a specific use like cilantro, fresh mm -hmm. cilantro, and uh, then it will go bad before I can use mm -hmm. it. What's a good way to uh, to use up an extra bag of herbs? You grow your own. Oh, grow, pick, pick them as yeah, you need it. Pick them as you need it. That's by far the best way to uh, take care of it. But if you're um, doing... Uh, if you have a lot of leftover that you've bought from the markets or from a store, a lot of times you can just make pestos, and they mm -hmm. don't have to be flavored pestos. By that, I mean you don't have to add the nuts. You don't have to add the cheese. You can just puree the actual cilantro or the basil uh, with some good olive oil, and then you can you can freeze it. Right, it's insane. And you can God bless the freezer. Small, you can put it in small quantities in mm -hmm. your freezer and pull it out as you need it. So now you just have pure basil flavor, mm -hmm. pure cilantro flavor flavor, pure sage, whatever whatever herbs uh, you're using. Well, that's a great idea, and I agree with you about growing the herbs and about, uh, you know, grinding the nutmeg. I'm, be I'm beginning to feel a little like the, the little hen who baked the bread by herself. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be growing wheat, and, and, <laughs> you know, it's a small backyard. Yes, it is. Uh -huh. So, um, I don't want to lose the track that we had when we were talking a little bit about uh, getting people to, to cook more with what they have in their home. So we were talking about oils, we we're talking about seasonings. What are some other, you know, on the shelf items that, that if you have them at home you'll you'll find yourself easier to to get started on a meal? Dried beans, mm -hmm. dried pasta, um good canned, you know, good canned beans. I was gonna say, because you know, Part of the thing is you rarely have time to soak those beans when you're thinking, what am I going to eat for dinner? Right. You, you know? have to think the day so, ahead yeah. <laughs> on that one. And if you're not, then, then – right. uh, because I noticed that when you were doing um, your recipes for the fish, mm -hmm. you're not really using recipes. You're cooking out of your, your head. Uh, absolutely. And um, I do that at home to a much um, uh, much less <laughs> expectation, but um, – to use things up to make sure that nothing goes to waste, right. you know, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, which means vegetarian chili or or some kind of a uh, exactly uh, ratatouille, you know, or stocks. Make your own stocks. If right. You have a lot of leftover vegetables. Put them into some water. Boil. Bring it to a boil. Simmer it for about an hour, and then again, you can freeze it in little delicatessen containers. And now you have stock. Always have that fabled chicken on the pot, chicken in the pot going. You know, make yourself some fresh chicken stock. Mm -hmm. It's never, it's not it's not that difficult. And you're basically just uh, putting in uh, onions, carrots, maybe onions, carrots, um, whatever you might have. Uh, if you have mushroom stems left over from mm -hmm. some sort of meal, um, the uh, the herbs, uh, the fresh herbs, right. you know, the stalks of the fresh herbs. Throw those in. Don't nothing goes to waste. Nothing. That was one of the things I admired about you. Uh, we wrote about that a little bit, mm -hmm. about how you're challenged to use everything, mm -hmm. and uh, I, um, I I share that. I you know I hate it when things go to waste. Mm -hmm. So um, it does make you creative in an unusual way. Well, I had a rule in my restaurant: nothing got thrown away. Nothing hit the garbage can until it was brought to me. And I told that story. Well, do you want to work for this guy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was very I was very good about it. I always tell the story about. Um, the bloodline in tuna and one of my chefs had butchered a large loin of tuna and he brought me the bloodline put it right next to my workstation and you know I got the feeling that. that he wanted to challenge you uh, a little no we were we were family everybody yeah. we, we were one big family and so what I did was I you know we always made our all our homemade sauces so I had a homemade teriyaki sauce and I 
marinated in the teriyaki sauce, and then I put it on the grill, and I just would turn it like every 20 minutes and left it there for about three hours and cooked mm -hmm. and obliterated it. So now it's uh, very, very hard, but it's also very, very salty. Mm -hmm. So what we did was we then chopped it up into real, really, really fine specks. So now I had black salt, and we would use that in finishing out some of our tuna recipes. Instead of using black pepper, we would use the black salt from the tuna. So it has the salinity, but it also has a little taste of the tuna because you're not using a lot. You're not taking a big chunk out of it. You're using it liberally. You're adding a whole pepper. layer, literally different, a layer totally of flavor. Different. And you're paying good money for that, so now we have uh, black salt. That sounds wonderful. Mm -hmm. Now, we are drifting, though, into the professional kitchen okay. because mm -hmm. you might not be butchering your own tuna and getting a bloodline at home. I don't think so. Um, but uh, say you're walking in the house and, and uh, you you think, oh, you know, rather than ordering pizza, not, not that there's anything wrong with pizza, um, but, you know, if I don't feel like ordering pizza tonight, what's something, you know, that you might be able to – bring together quickly with things that you have in the house? Um, again, vegetables. You could make a, you know, like the in Provence, you have a uh, pisto uh, soup. And what that is, is just take, if you have some bits of bacon or if you have some pancetta, you just saute that. All the different vegetables that you have, mm -hmm. then you put your vegetables in and you can just add water to it. If you have stock, you can add stock to it. And then... In about a half hour, you have this wonderful, wonderful hearty dish. You take a can of your one of your uh, beans, canned beans, mm -hmm. add those to it. Some probably have a uh, an end of Parmigiano Reggiano mm -hmm. or Pecorino. Put that in there also. Put it in or grate it in. You can put like the I always save the ends, the nubs of it, and mm -hmm. then I'll just throw that in whole, ah. and that and that melts into it and season and seasons it, and then you just remove the crust. Of layer of it um, finish it off with some of that good olive oil that you have now have in your pantry and season it with some of the good salt and some of the good pepper you have and there's a perfect easy dish yep and you can use some of your leftover vegetables make my wife and I we love eating frittatas for dinner so we'll make a, I was gonna mention that mm -hmm, we'll I think a, I live on eggs right, half the time right we will have a frittata and some good crusty bread and a glass of wine and a perfect perfect meal so why don't you quickly tell us about how to make a frittata? Um, if you have, let's say you have some leftover zucchini, if you have some tomatoes, scraps, uh, some onion, just cut those into evenly cut uh, pieces so that they cook the same. Mm -hmm. Saute it in some olive oil, some salt and pepper. If you have some fresh basil, break off some fresh basil. Now we go back to looking for cheese. Mm -hmm. Have some goat cheese, sprinkle some of the goat cheese in it, Scramble, scramble your egg, put what we just cooked in it, pop it into the oven, let it puff up a little. That sounds Done. wonderful. 15 minutes. So I, I, years ago, I, I was at the Eastern States Exposition. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a huge, um, it's in Western Mass, and, and it's a, a huge farmer's market slash, you know, uh, midway kind of rides thing, okay. you know. But, okay. but the, more, the most interesting thing is each state has a, has a building. Mm -hmm. And they show off things that that are made in the state that are, are products, native oh, okay. products. And uh, the dairy board in one of the, uh, I think it was in Vermont, was teaching people how to make omelets. And mm -hmm. uh, they, I, I like it you doing it this way. But they said that for each egg, two tablespoons of cold water. Mm 
okay. to get that sort of puffy omelet. Okay. And I've been doing that for, for uh, many, many years mm -hmm. now, and it works pretty well. Right. Sometimes so. what I'll do if I want a puffy omelet, um, I'll take an egg white mm -hmm. and I'll beat it to like a medium peak. And then I'll just fold that in with my scrambled egg. Oh, that egg sounds good. And then cook the cook the scrambled egg. So it's almost a little souffle-like. Sounds great. Mm -hmm. I'll have to try that one next. Yep. See, I learned something. I use it for a long time. Um, and uh, tell me a little bit about um, what kinds of questions do you get when you're doing cooking class? You know, uh, what what do you think is the people's biggest curiosity about cooking? Where do you get it from? Oh. Where is where are your sources? Um, how do you know how much to buy, quantity-wise, um, for how many people you how many people you're serving? But definitely source. Where oh. is the source? That's the and number one. And that kind of I leads get. us into the fact that you did not come empty-handed to visit us. No, I didn't. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you have on ice here, and uh, and uh, you know why you chose that. Okay. Um, in my class, I was telling you I have a class this evening, and um, we're doing halibut. So today I went out and got some fresh halibut, and the Just way hold it up near the camera. The way to check out to see how fresh halibut is, or any other fish, if it's a fillet, mm -hmm. if it's a whole fish, gills and eyes. You want red gills and clear eyes. Okay. And then definitely red no gills, fishy. Clear eyes. Definitely no fishy smell. Okay. Okay. And it's even best if you see a fish that still has a slime on it. That's really fresh. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You might not think that. Right, exactly. But if it still has the slime, it's recently out of the water. So I don't know if you can see this, but you have a wonderful, wonderful shine on the halibut. Okay, this is the fillet. And then right over here on the side, you want this to be bright. You don't want this to be dark. Okay. Okay. And you definitely don't want you don't want a fishy smell. No, you right? can't. There's you can't no, tell at no all. Smell there. And keep it on ice. Okay. Always keep it on ice. So um, the fishy smell means it's old? Yes, most of the time, yes, unless it's an oily fish. Sometimes mm -hmm. oily fish can have that fishy smell. And, you know, not, not to pick on any markets, but sometimes in transit, mm -hmm. it can be up to a week on, on, a, on fish. Well, when you're dealing with sword, like swordfish, because mm -hmm. they go so far out for swordfish, so that's why they're packed so heavily in ice. Okay. And, you know, I, I think that you um, have said also that, that you go to your local fish market. Right. I, I definitely try to support the local fish market. Yeah, so no down Chatham. I do Chatham Fish and Lobster. Mm -hmm. They're, usually I go to the one on my way into work, the one at Ring Brothers, but I also do the one right on 28 there. Great. And they're open year-round, so we like supporting the year-round people. Absolutely, and uh, there's, you know, if you look around, there, there's fish market here in, in um, Barnstable, mm -hmm. and, okay. uh, you know, um, quick look around, quick Google, you'll be able to sure. see Absolutely. where all the markets are, Absolutely. and they're, you know, they know not only when things are coming in, but, but they're, you know, working directly with the fishermen in mm -hmm. many cases, so right. you get things pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, tell... Um, Maybe we could continue. We have about five minutes left. I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about the asparagus you brought. Um, these are just, this just started in season. These are white asparagus from the south of France. Okay. Very, very large. Absolutely beautiful. Um, this will only be about a five week uh, window that it's open. So what I did with the asparagus is you, white asparagus are different from green asparagus in the fact that they're a little bit um, tougher. The outside of it, it's a little bit tougher. So you really have to peel the white asparagus. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you snap off the bottom of it, and it will break 
right where. That sounded wonderful. Okay, so you can see. Yeah, you right? can see you can the see outside. That. So yeah. now we have to, you want to peel, peel this, peel this down, and if any, if any strings are left, you just peel it. Oh yeah, right those down. are very woody. Okay, exactly mm -hmm. woody. So all I did was I just uh, did that, and then I just put it in boiling salted water, and they take about eight minutes, and then you shock them, and then what I'm doing tonight is I took the halibut and I sliced the halibut very thin, and I took some gin, uh, some vegetable stock, some sugar, fresh dill, salt, and pepper. And I just brushed it on to a thin slice of the halibut. Mm -hmm. And I let that sit for about a half hour. So it's almost like a cure, almost like a, you're doing a little gravlax. Yeah. And then I poached it in the vegetable stock. And then I just added some butter to it. I put these beautiful asparagus on the bottom of the plate. Finished it off with a lightly poached oyster. And the asparagus on the bottom of the plate, mm -hmm. nice Meyer lemon, and you see the... Pull that up a little bit. You see the butter sauce. And that must have come together for you in 10 minutes. That would, yep, once you're prepared. Mm -hmm. And then to finish it off, a nice bottle of bubbles, a nice sparkling gavi from Piedmont, northwestern Italy. That sounds, we should say that Chef has also, um, over the years, had a, a wine store, so right. you get an opportunity to try new wines and... and uh, yeah. Um, you use them in, in your classes, both to cook and, and to pair with. So um, this is, you know, we are blessed that there are a lot of restaurants and, and uh, um, you know, like uh, even I think some of the school kitchens are doing cooking lessons now. Mm -hmm. and, yes. and, you know, you're going to be a big part of that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you would like to improve your cooking skills, and that's what I love about it. You never finish learning. Never finish learning. Yes. I've been doing this for over 40 years. I'm still learning about wine. I still learn about food. And, um, you know, we're going to be doing some, I want to be doing some remedial classes at the Cultural Center, too, where it'll actually be hands-on. You know, mm -hmm. do classes for stock, classes for butchering, um, so many different uh, things that you need to know. Nice I, I think remedial is a, uh, a, a little bit of a strong word there. <laughs> it's okay if you've made Kraft macaroni and cheese. You can still come and, and you won't get put in the remedial class. Uh, we have a comment from Richard Williams who says, so many wonderful ideas. Thank you, Richard. That was exactly the idea, Richard. Thanks for watching and uh, tell your friends that they can see this show on capecottimes.com slash life with Gwen. It's free there if you just like to listen. Put the word podcast after that um, address and, and the podcast will be loaded so that every week you can listen on your phone. Um, and in the meantime, you're at the Cultural Center of Cape Cod. In South Yarmouth. In South Yarmouth. Mm -hmm. And uh, the classes are small, so they probably fill kind of quickly, Very but quickly. you do a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So if you would like to take a class with Chef, uh, just look on the calendar on the website. Mm -hmm. and uh, And happy cooking. See you next week. Thank you.